Yes, sir. It is I, the one and only Marquel Fripp Owens, and this is the Draft Blitz. We are presenting to you a new concept that I've come up with entitled Boom or Bust, where we discuss some of our favorite prospects across the country. Most of you guys most of might know him as D-Birds, but today we have Anthony Damone. How you feeling What's today, up? Anthony? I'm feeling great, man. Free agency's right, right around the corner. Draft's right behind it. It's a, it's a fun time to be around, especially on Twitter. A lot of interactions, a lot of stuff to write about. It's a good time, and I'm, I'm very grateful for you to have me on here. I'm excited to talk. I appreciate you, man. appreciate you. As you said, interactions on Twitter are at a high, especially during the offseason, man. We got a lot of news coming out that we can get to in a few, but before we get to that, I just must ask, man, I, as the people know, I released a piece not too long ago explaining how where my love for the game came from in terms of where I wanted to become more so of a scout. Just to give a background on it a little bit. Um, as we all know, we all grew up watching college football and things of that nature. And there were so many players that I seen playing on Saturdays. And I'm like, man, this this guy's a jaw dropper. I'm sure we all had fun watching the Shoelace Williams. I mean, Shoelace Robinsons and Terrell Pryors, Troy Smith. I can go on and on about Juice Williams, a bunch of guys who they were really good on Saturdays and piqued your interest. And I mean, how I like to put it. They were before their time. I'd like sure. to think if they came nine days, they would garner a little bit more interest. But just trying to get into what is the what are the good makings of an NFL prospect? What do you look for in these prospects? Well, at least what do they look for in these rooms? So that's where it got me into taking the scouting academy, creating draft boards and things of that nature, just getting into the nitty-gritty myself. So I got to ask, how did you get into this, man? Well, uh, it all started, I'm born, raised, still live in Brooklyn, New York. So unfortunately, I don't have much of a local college team to root for. So my interest as far as college ball goes is always to the prospects. I'm a diehard Eagles fan, raised in a fan full of, I'm a family full of Giants fans. So I stuck out a little bit. But yeah, my biggest thing always was looking at who's the next guy coming up, who is the big names, the small names. And then around 2016, 2017 was when I really started taking writing about the draft seriously and breaking down my own film because you see everybody putting out mock drafts, putting out their own grades, putting out their own boards. But you really have to look at a, a player yourself because there's certain things that you look for that other people might not look for. Um, there was a site, I think it's been taken down by now. It definitely has been taken down by now. But uh, Draft Breakdown used to have, is what I used when I started because it would just, you could basically type any player in. It would already have breakdowns of their film, highlight them before the play so you know exactly what to look for. Now you kind of have to go around back alleys to find videos or content, YouTube, wherever uh, may be legal or illegal, who knows. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just become a huge passion of mine, especially in the off season, because you really don't have much else to do. There's that little bit of dead time. Usually your team doesn't make a Super Bowl run like the Eagles did this year. So I started diving in a little bit later, but yeah, I love it. I already put my uh, pre-combine big board out there. It's just a huge passion of mine. And I, it's something I take very seriously, despite having a full-time job of the family, uh, two little kids, my wife. It's just whenever I can get free time, I'm usually watching film. So it's a lot of fun. Definitely, man. A lot of things that you said I can completely agree with. Man. A lot of my my guys make fun of me a lot over at the Philly Blitz because I'm the one who, doing, especially during football season on the Saturdays when I get off work, because I typically work in the evenings. 
and I'm sitting there, everybody else talking about the great games from early in the day that I probably have I've watched. I have to go back and watch, and I'm sitting here like, <laughs> it's Pac-12 after dark time. Or do you see this? It's about to be Nevada, UNLV, the little sneaky prospects that don't exactly. get a lot of TV time. That's my type of games right there. So I completely understand where, you, where you're coming from, man. So if you guys haven't had the opportunity to check out his pre-combine big boy, thorough work, thorough work, very intense. And I guess, as we said before we got on, a lot of news is going on. That's one of the top news is Philadelphia allowing Darius Slade to go seek a trade, man. I mean, I'm not saying that it will happen, but it's hard to see Slade back at the number he's currently set in. So you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's sad to see because he's become such a like a fixture in Philadelphia in, in just such a short time. I feel like every social media post that he, he has, he's blowing up. He's really embraced the city. His wife's embraced the city. But, um, it's, yeah, it's just that number he's at right now. It's just – it's absurd, and that's part of the reason that you see the Eagles having such a big dead cap hit this year. I think it's like 51 million or something like that tops in the league because mm-hmm. – yeah, teams like to kick that can down the bucket, I mean, down the road, and, and Howie Roseman especially doesn't. He's a cap genius, don't get me wrong. I don't doubt anything he does. But it's just this is where it ends up coming back to bite you. You see what the Rams have to do. They had to cut a bunch of good players. So it's just about finding what works. I feel like this, them allowing him to, quote, unquote, seek a trade is more so them saying, all right, go see what the offers out there are, and then we can try and match it. If it's too outrageous where we can't match it, then we'll try and find you a new place. But it's just right now, before June 1st, if they trade him, they take a huge cap hit this right. year and then over the next couple of years. That'd be three more years. So if they are going to trade him, which I don't think, I think they'll be able to find a solution. But um, if they do trade him, it'll probably be after June 1st, or they'll just have to accept it and take a big hit if they want to pick in this year's draft. So, But it is a good year to want uh, cornerbacks if you need to. So. Yeah, man, I was just about to touch on that a little bit. I mean, not only just team losing Slay, but Bradbury scheduled to get paid big money in free agency. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson wasn't franchise tag. He's also scheduled to be a free agent. Marcus Epps, who knows what happened on that front. Right now, as we stand, the only person scheduled to be back would be Avante Maddox. So the Eagles clearly need some help in the secondary, man. And this... This series is called Boomer Bust for a reason. The NFL draft is very enticing. I mean, this I, I like to see a lot of people's typical views on prospects because as I'm pretty sure you guys pay attention to my tweets across the timeline. I'm not a big traits over tape guy. I understand why that may entice people, but you guys see the board as it says, draft good players. And sometimes it, it, sometimes the risk be too high for me versus the reward that you can get. And there are more than a few prospects in this class that I personally feel it that way. One of them men in which as viewed as a lot of people's cornerback one. Me personally, I'm a Devon with a spoon kind of guy who I have my cornerback one. That should be out real soon. But Christian Gonzalez is no joke. I can tell you that. So what's your thoughts on the two, man? Who's your cornerback one? I've got – I'm right there with you. I've got Witherspoon number one because, like you said, the tape is, is more important than the traits. For me, it's about combining everything with your own formula and figuring out what you like, what you don't like. So, me, maybe it's because we had Jim Schwartz here for, for a couple of years in Philly, but I'm a big fan of corners being able to play in the run game because, if, sure, you can be a ball hog, take away the pass, that's fine. 
But if the teams could just run at you for 30, 40 times a game and you just can't tackle, you're, you're missing, you constantly can't get off blocks, that's that's not going to work in the NFL because teams identify that, they're going to run at you all day long. So a guy like Witherspoon in the run game, he's basically like an extra linebacker. His physicality is crazy, especially for his size because I think he's only 5'10", 190 or so, somewhere around there. And he hasn't done any drills yet either. So we're waiting to see his speed. Some question his speed. That's a big question regarding his game. But, I mean, even if he runs a four, high 4'4", four, four, high four, I mean, low 4'5", he's just too damn good of a player. Excuse my language, but he's just too damn good to, to dismiss. And he's he stands out above the rest of me. I mean, Christian Gonzalez, Joey Porter, they're right there. They're right there next in line. But um, as far as the complete player goes, Witherspoon is going to be my, my number one, and I'm not going to be changing that leading up to the drop. Yeah, man, just to touch on him a little bit. Um, I think his official listings came in at 5'11", 181. Oh, okay, um, so even lighter than I thought. But. Yeah. Oh, wingspan, 73, uh, 73 and 5 eighths, arm length. He does reach the 31-inch mark. So, I mean, this, that's the plus, 31 and one-fourth. And as you said, we haven't seen him run or anything. I don't believe we will. I believe the word has came out that he won't compete in the pro day. So Yeah, I saw something he, that he was going to have his own personal workout, I think, April 5th. I, I think I saw something, but who knows? That things like that can always change. It's always fluid. Right. And by then, he receives some sort of guarantee or has a top 30 visit that he loves. He'll probably just opt not to run, so we'll see. But just – Touching on him a bit, man, like, he's the only freshman to go into how good the kid is, man. He was the only freshman that played on the Atlanta defense. He started all 13 games his freshman year. Um, This season, he only allowed 16 receptions on 54 targets as the primary defender. He had 11 games out of the 12 games that he played and that he allowed fewer than 35 yards to wide receiver ones. He, as the stats say, was pretty damn good. Now, yeah. when you watch him, it's, it's like, I have you? I get, I kind of get the same vibes as him as I got a little bit earlier, a few years back, as J.C. Horn. I fell in love with J.C. Yep. Horn watching him. Because yep. he, how I put it, he plays the position how it's supposed to be played. Like the feistiness, the way he carries himself, ball skills, things of that nature. Like, he, <laughs> Devon Witherspoon gets after it at the catch point. It's almost fun to see. So, just that. And that's that, not, not, not to cut you off, but that's a big thing as far as, they say cornerback is the hardest position to translate right away in the NFL. But having that confidence and that little bit of cockiness and swagger goes a long way because you're going against the best of guys in the world at the end of the day. And if you think you're the best, then you'll be able to do it. Because Sauce Gardner had the same thing last year. You saw it in, mm-hmm. at Cincinnati. He had that confidence. He had that swagger. He had that mentality that I'm better than you no matter who I line up against. And that's exactly what I see in Witherspoon. Exactly, man. Just position versatility. You can line him up basically anywhere. I'm sure all of us who've seen the Michigan game, he basically followed Ronnie Bell around the field. Like, he was his personal chauffeur at this point. (laughs) But just getting into Christian Gonzalez a bit, I mean, as I just said, I'm a big tape over traits guy, but how I put it in my uh, report, this kid is a tapes over a traits over tapes dream. He is what you would look for if you were one of them scouters. And I can respect it because he's so damn athletic, man. So like everything. He's he so does. smooth, so smooth for his size. Oh my goodness. Everything he does. It's it's 
it seems so swift and so pure, but it's it's so scary. At least when I watch him on film, it's scary to me because I feel like it. He's the perfect prospect for this episode. Boom or bust. If he, I don't think his success is going to be maintained at the next level if he continues to play based on his athleticism. He feels like yeah. he can, his athleticism is going to get him out of everything. Now, if he can land in a spot where he becomes a bit more technically sound, no, I'm not saying he has to even become close to what Witherspoon is in terms of technicality, but just get all the nuances, become a bit more disciplined of the position down, I feel like you might be looking at a top five corner in this league, especially with how he what he possesses athletically. He This could really go either way. And I mean, that's personally why he's my cornerback too, because it's scary. I feel like I know what I'm getting from Devon Witherspoon. With him, you yeah. – it could work. It could not work, but it's it's interesting because I see a lot of people pointing it out too how Witherspoon and him are they're supposedly claiming their uh, their one year wonders, but I mean these guys have been really good players for a couple of years now, and mm-hmm. with Gonzalez it's definitely more of a risk because like you said, sometimes he almost trusts his athleticism and and his his mind a little too much because he'll just it looks like he's lost in a play and the next thing you know he turns around. Like, it's like he has eyes in the back of his head, snatches the ball out of the air, or he just breaks up a pass. It's just crazy how, how he reacts. But like you said, that could also come back to bite you because especially in the NFL, you see how teams like to use those motions like they did. I don't want to bring it back up, but in the Super Bowl, or you start relying on, on things too much, what you see too much, next thing you know, you're out of a play. A double move can get him. Sometimes people question his long speed a little bit. So, I mean – being so much about a player being successful in the NFL is about where they land, having the proper coaching, the proper system. I feel like he has the potential to fit anywhere in any system, but he just has to have the right coach around him to hone him in a little bit, refine the details, and then I think he'll be, like you said, potentially a top five corner. So in terms of some of the other guys in this class, I mean, of course we could touch on a guy like Cam Smith, but I like to think that this, this class, especially at cornerback, offers some flavors, man. Do you have a, any guy that you keep an eye on that you think would you would love to see in Philadelphia? Or even if they didn't land in Philadelphia, you just would love to see the specific landing spot just to see how their career goes? Yeah, there's, like I said, I really like physicality and being able to support in the run game and having that like that willingness to go get, get dirty in, in the run game and, and just with a player in general. And, that's why Clark Phillips III from Utah is one of my personal favorites. I have a second-round grade on him. But I would not be surprised if a team fell in love with him at the end of the first. John Harbaugh already hinted at it, that he thinks there's 10 corners in this draft that can go in the first round because that's just how crazy talented this class is. But Phillips, I, I compared him personally to Asante Samuel Jr. because he's a little bit smaller. But when you watch Asante Samuel Jr. at Florida State and even now in the NFL – he can play outside. He can go back into. He can follow somebody into the slot. He's going to help in the run game. He's going to be physical. He's going to talk a lot of trash, and that's that's all my favorite traits right there in the corner. So, he's he's definitely one of my my favorite players. Rankings aside, if I just can hand pick a player to come to Philadelphia, it would be him for sure. Oh, for sure, man. Anybody who knows who watches me on Twitter knows that I am the leader of the Clark Phillips fan club. I love me some Clark. Man, to hell with size, to hell with all that other stuff you talking about. I get it. I get it, man. But how could you not love the kid, man? The kid, He just, again, the same way I explained Davon Witherspoon, he just plays the game the way it's supposed to be played. Just so aggressive. Yeah. Like, I mean, I just got a little tidbit on him that I found when I was doing my scouting on him. And I mean, 
<laughs> he always been a football kid. It sounds like his family big on football. They used to watch football. He was they had him in front of the TV at a young age, two or three. And he wanted to play football at three years old. But uh, from the area he's from, over in Lakewood, California, it wasn't he, – he didn't reach the age requirement to play football. So they wanted to get him active, basically, at least flag football. So they wanted to get him active. So they put him on a soccer team. And his parents said the first time that they put him on a soccer field, he just ran full speed, identified the person with the ball, and tackled him. And he got, he he got, got a red up. card right away. Exactly. He just got up crying, like, why are everybody looking like he did something wrong? But it was right there that they said they do that they had a ball player right there. And I'm, things like that. Like, he still plays with that same aggressiveness. He doesn't care who you are. He knows who he is and what his size exactly. limitations are. He's going to play the game. Like, he doesn't he doesn't care about a 50-50 ball. I don't see him lined up against multiple taller defenders and go up and make a play. Just see him, like, if we had a chance to watch one of the few games versus USC, him, he had a, a matchup in the red zone against Clark, not Clark Phillips, he is Clark Phillips, against Jordan, Jordan Addison. And, man, when I tell you that matchup was fun, that matchup was fun. Doesn't quit on the play. He's the same guy that ran down Jackson Smith for Jigma. And the Rose yep. Bowl saved yep. that touchdown. So, like, just everything about the way he plays the game is just so pure, man. I love it. I always love Clark Phillips, man. Um, what you got? What's your thoughts on a guy like Deontay Banks? Did you see that man's jumps at the, at the combine? Yeah, it's just the, the tape. The tape was already very promising, but when you combine that, that's a I like to go. Like I said, you have to combine everything. So teams were already probably going into the combine thinking he was late first, early second. But with those jumps and then his athleticism testing, I feel like you have to put him at the end of the first at this point. He's, he's right there. I, I he has to be that, that fourth cornerback. And most – I would think in most teams' minds, especially a team, say, like Seattle, they probably won't draft him, but on their board, because of his, they like that athleticism. He, he jumped out the gym. His, if you look at his, like, spider graph on, like, mock draftable or something like that or his, or his RAS score, it's just he's in a class of his own. So a guy like that, Sure, he has the athletic traits, but he has the tape to back it up. Maryland has a couple players, DBs in this draft that are really that are really interesting. So, but he's at the top of the list, and I feel like it's hard not to like him once you combine everything. One, like me personally, with him, he I, I would feel more comfortable with the team drafting him than I would with the team drafting Christian Gonzalez. I like to think he brought that fine blend of what I felt like Christian was missing in terms of the tech the technician being a technician. Like, he isn't the best, especially in off-man. He does have some work to do in off-man coverage. But from what I've seen to him in press man, he, he silky smooth, cut through butter type of smooth. But that's why in, in Philadelphia in particular, Sean Desai likes his guys getting up to the line of scrimmage, getting physical right at the start. So someone like him where you're, you're jamming the receiver early, letting him get his hands on him, and then not, not just trailing 10 yards at the line of scrimmage, I feel like he would fit really well. Definitely, man. So as we said, we the potential we could also be losing some safeties as well. Probably a chance we could use lose both of them. Yeah. Um. There's a lot of talk. I mean, I know maybe it's just me. Maybe I am the a lot of talk about a potential Brian Branch replacing 
CJGJ. And I know some people bring up his combine and how it wasn't the best. But, again, another one of them guys where you turn on the tape. Throw it out the window. Hey, throw it out the window. Hey, I, I know what you saw there. But when you see what you saw, what you see here, that's a different exactly. football player, very versatile exactly. football player. Can can do a little bit. Honestly, I, I view him a lot of probably the way Philadelphia views CJGJ. He could do a little bit of everything. Yep. He, same it's thing just, for a lot of these guys, man. You got, I hear you like Antonio Johnson a lot. Yeah. It's just uh, if the Eagles want to go with that that versatile chess piece in the back of the defense, there are so many guys in this draft that could help fill that that role. I mean, it would, obviously it would suck to lose Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. I don't want to lose him. I've been saying on Twitter for like a week now that he probably is going to be gone and people have been hating me for it, but I'm just the messenger. I'm just going by what a lot of reporters that I respect, like Zach Berman, Jimmy Kemsky, what they're saying. Usually when they say someone's not coming back or they're not going to use the tag or whatever, usually you should listen to what they're saying. So it would be unfortunate, but like I said, if the Eagles do lose their entire starting secondary besides Monte Maddox, literally you couldn't create a better draft class than what this year's class has. Because if they want to say somebody, take somebody, say, at 10 or trade back a little bit, Brian Branch would be a defensive cornerstone for years to come. If they want to wait until 30 or a small trade back from there, Antonio Johnson is right there in terms of his size, his versatility, aggressiveness. He lined up all over the field on a really, I don't want to, I mean, I guess you could say it was a bad Texas A&M team, but <laughs> it's just, he, you could do it, he could do it all. And the size that he has, the length that he has, you can't really bully him because with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, he has the want to, but he is a little bit limited in terms of size. His arms, he has not the longest arms. He's not the tallest guy, but he just has heart and you can't measure heart. So Antonio Johnson fits that bill in terms of the versatility and while also bringing the size. Then there are a lot of other safeties. Um, Sidney Brown, another member of the Illinois secondary. I'm a little bit higher on him. Well, I think a lot higher on him than most. I have him as a first rounder, but it's just, you saw what he did at the senior bowl. His his one-on-one drills, usually those one-on-one drills are not going to BB's favor. Usually you see the offensive player winning a lot of those, but he was just staying tight on everybody at the senior bowl that they put him against. Then he tested really well at the combine. He played really well on film. I just feel like he's like, uh, like I said, I, I value things a little differently than people, but I have him as my second safety behind Brian Branch. And uh, yeah, if the Eagles lose CJG and, and CGJ and Marcus Epps, it's not the worst uh, outcome to have. Hopefully, more picks than six picks in this draft, but this class is just stacked at, at corner and safety. Yeah, man, I actually made a joke with somebody the other, or I think it was yesterday after the Slade news came out with, like we said, all of these scheduled free agents, that the Eagles should just draft Devon Witherspoon at 10, trade back a little bit. Brown in the second round, early second round, and then double back somewhere along the line, probably in round three or four, more likely four, go get Chase Brown. Just bring me the entire city of Champagne. That's it. But oh man, there there is some talk. I, I have to know. Just a couple more questions before I get you out of here. First, um, there's some talk, like you said, with the hire of Sean Desai, that the safety position might be viewed higher, at least in this defense, than would they view a, a guy that like Slay or so, like basically a, prim- a premier cornerback. They think that him that they he uses his safety. I mean, his cornerbacks basically trail techniques, a lot of cover two, 
keeping everything in front of them and the safeties basically are the the help. So having a guy that's not only a versatile chess piece, but views on what's more important, especially coming in with Sean Desai as the defensive coordinator and for, for Philadelphia in this instance, getting their hand on the ideal safety or getting their hands on a premier cover corner. Well, that's what's interesting about, because obviously we have to go through the whole free agency first wave or so before the draft comes. And ironically enough, there are quite a few DBs that Desai has a history with, especially from Seattle and even from his time in Chicago that are going to be available now. So it's going to be interesting to see how they balance that if they really hire, um, sign any of these guys to help kind of ease that transition. But also on the back of their minds, they have to have a balance because there's a chance that the side gets hired as a head coach as soon as next offseason. You never know, depending on how well the defense plays. So you don't want to go all in on a certain scheme, on certain traits for a certain guy. You have to think more so like they did last year. Jordan Davis wasn't the greatest fit for Jonathan Gannon's defense from, from a just – you would think he's more of a nose. You didn't, he wasn't only going to play a handful of snaps. He wasn't going to be a full-time guy playing a bunch of snaps. So a lot of people thought that rookie year was kind of wasted. But now you put him in Sean size defense, more of a 3-4 base. He's going to probably see the field a lot more, hopefully, in this second year. And now it's going to work out. So you can't – it's like finding that balance of the player that fits right now, but he's also going to fit multiple schemes moving forward. And there are a lot of scheme-versatile players in this draft. I think they have to go corner first because – it's just at least at safety, Reed Blankenship showed some some starting ability. I, ideally, I think you'd want him as your third safety, but they probably feel comfortable as, as starting him now. But at, at corner, they really have nobody that they can trust. I mean, McPherson, he's he's played well in very limited time. Josh Joby played in, in garbage minutes and looked pretty good. He's very physical. He's a big big corner. But I just you can't feel comfortable if you're losing Darius Slay. You're losing James Bradbury. I feel like. They say throw knee to the side in the draft, but they have to get a corner. That's just that's just how it goes. Corner should be their number one priority. Certainly, man, certainly. I mean, I speak often about positional value, and, I mean, it's clear cornerback ranks much higher than safety on their chart. But it was just curious to know based on, of course, every coaching, every coach has their own preference schematically in the positions that they value more than others. So, seeing how much that you think that would play a factor in what the birds could would do during draft season. Um, last, before I get you out of here, do you have a sleeper guy for us? Somebody that mm. is not talked about enough, somebody that you think deserves the respect, and even if they're not going to be a, a, a day one, early day two pick, just somebody who's going to be a pretty good football player, given a chance. I'm just looking over at my, my, my board right here. Um. I mean, Julius Brents was, before the combine, was one of my big sleepers. But now he's clearly leaped literally and figuratively into probably the, the second round, potentially late first. Like I said, once you get past those top three corners, that fourth guy is just whatever a team's preference is. And I wouldn't be surprised if he was there. But he's just with his length and obviously his athleticism. His tape is a little bit inconsistent. But as far as trait-wise, teams are going to be all over him. It's just a matter of them feeling confident plugging him into their scheme. But as far as, I guess, a sleeper, this is a player that I don't think anybody's talked about really. But Daniel Scott from Cal, I see a lot of people saying, oh, he's just a special teams ace. He's not going to really be a starter. But they were saying the same damn thing about Reed Blankenship when he came out and he went undrafted. 
And then that boy picked off Aaron Rodgers in prime time. So you just, you never know. You give the guy a chance. He shows a lot of potential on tape. It's inconsistent, don't get me wrong. But he has the willingness. I feel like he has a great IQ. That's not really talked about enough. People get too fixated on traits and, and oh, he doesn't jump high enough. He doesn't run fast enough. He's not this tall. He's not this heavy. He doesn't have tentacles for arms. But Daniel Scott is a player that I'd watch for. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes late day three and then he ends up starting a few games for a team as a rookie. It would not surprise me at all. Well, make sure you guys remember that name. And if you hear that name, you know where you heard it. If, if he does bad, though, you didn't hear anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again, man. I appreciate your time. We'd love to have you back on sometime oh, during the offseason, sure. maybe during the season. Of course, as always, go Birds. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And uh, I'm looking forward to the free agency in the draft. Let's do it, baby. Yeah, man. We got draft boards to update. All right, you guys. Let's see you.